All right. God is good. We'll try that one more time. Or maybe three times. Because he's right here with us. Right? God is good. And all the time. Wow. Wow. I must say that I'm filled with joy to be here tonight with you. And most importantly, to be with our Lord. This is huge for me. Especially speaking, when our Lord is exposed, when people are just soaking in the warmth and the joy of our Lord. And I'm just right here, trying to convey His message. What He is asking me to to say to you tonight. And I was saying to my wife this this morning, it's, it's humbling for me. To, to speak with Jesus present. That is humbling. And not only humbling, but I can't even describe it. So, before I begin the reflection, before I begin the talk this evening, I want to invite you to pray for me. To Ask the Lord who is here. (laughs) I'm so filled with joy to speak through me to you, to your heart. Not to your mind so much, but to your heart. Because that's where he wants the message to go. And I'll pray for you that you hear what he wants you to hear. Just pause for a moment. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was at the beginning, it's none of us shall be, one without end. Amen. So, tonight, my, my talk is about sharing your story, sharing your uh, God's story that He has written in your heart. As father said, well, first of all, I should say thank you. Thank you for allowing me to be here tonight and uh, inviting me. Uh, my name is John Kinuthia, and uh, um, I live in Brookhaven, uh, Delaware County. And uh, I have four children, so which I'll get into that in a minute when I'm sharing my, you my reflection. Um, and I am in the commission for the Archbishop for Missionary Discipleship with uh, Megan Cockley and some other teams. And I'm also the, my, I work at a school, Regina Luminous Academy, uh, Regina Luminous Academy, uh, which is in uh, Bruin. And uh, I'm there as the director for the uh, development and also community engagement, so community outreach and things like that. So that's what the work the Lord has given me at this moment, and I am always delighted to do it. So as I begin my reflection, um, I always like to, especially this talk, other than the book of Romans that we have read, I always want to begin uh, from the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah uh, chapter 1. Because Jeremiah, God called Jeremiah. And Jeremiah had some excuses he was giving 
when he was kind of having a conversation with God. But I want to read just briefly how the word of God came to Jeremiah to inspire him to go and speak which you and I have to be inspired to go and speak and share the message, the good news of Christ. Jeremiah, how was he called? <laughs> and I want you to think about yourself, how God has called you today. Okay? So the word of the Lord came to, to me thus, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I dedicated you. A prophet to the nations, I appointed you. Ah, Lord God, I said, this is Jeremiah. I know not how to speak. I am too young. Look at the excuse Jeremiah is giving. Ah, I don't know how to speak. I don't know how to share my story. I am too young. Or maybe for some, I'm too old. Or maybe I am not eloquent. Or maybe I have no idea. I have no story to tell. And God answered Jeremiah and said, Say not I am too young. To whomever I send you, you shall go. Whatever I command you, you shall speak. Have no fear before them, because I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. So this talk tonight actually is to remind you and encourage you that before you got here, Colin asked you last night, how did you get here? <laughs> Do you remember that question? How did you get here? I drove through the, the roads, back roads, right? <laughs> how did you get here? I want to tell you that before he formed you in the womb, he knew you. He gave you a mission. A mission that you go out and share the good news. And this is so important for us. So, so important for us as we think about sharing our story. As we think about how God is calling each and every one of us to go out there, where, maybe in our families, in our grocery stores, in whatever it is that God is asking you to go. Sure. Like Jeremiah, we give excuses. I gave, you excuse, I gave him excuses many times over. The litanies of excuses when the Lord was telling me to do something. And I would say, no, I cannot speak. I cannot. I'm, I'm too young. How will I tell? What will I tell people? But he assures you and me that he has a story. A story for you. One of the beautiful things I love about this reading and also our catechism is that God reminds us that his desire is in our hearts. Uh, in my reflection that I think you received, I had shared like a quote there that I reflect often. The desire for God is written in the human heart. If you listen to your heart pounding right now, 72 times a minute <laughs> for most of us, right? But it's deeper than that. The, the desire for God is written in your heart. You, as you look at me right now, as you look at Jesus right now, he says, 
my desire is in your heart. Because you are created, I am created by God and for God. And that he never, never ceases to draw you and me close to him. Because it's only in him, yes Jesus, we are saying yes Jesus to you. It's only in you that we will find the happiness and the joy that we are seeking every single day. I don't know about you, and most times when you go to work, you know, you're running through traffic, you know, sometimes you're so fast that you don't see the red light. You're like, shoo. Uh, but I think this is a good parish. I think, Father, you have very good people. They don't run through the red lights. <laughs> I did run through a red light once, so I'm giving you, it's me who is saying this to myself. <laughs> I ran through a red light. And then I was stopped by a police officer, so I was so, uh, you know, I was shaking. <laughs> And I had my rosary on my pocket. I was like, I should have had my rosary out. But I didn't have the rosary out that day. God's desire is written in your heart. Originally, I'm from Kenya. You guys know Kenya, where Kenya is? Somebody knew where Kenya is? Oh! Oh, wow! You guys know where it is? I'm home, Father. I'm, I am really home. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I'm really at home. So that's awesome. Um, and uh, I, I, I want to structure my talk through these points, that, these questions that I have said that you think about as you craft your story. I'll share my story and kind of think about your story fitting in into these dimensions. I'm the second one of uh, seven. Big family. Okay, seven. And all my education I studied in Kenya, and people always ask me, hey, you studied in Kenya? How do you know English? How do you know English? It's like, well, <laughs> it's taken a lot of years to learn to speak English, right? <laughs> we were a British colony, so they allowed us to study English in, in our school system, okay? But over the years growing up, I remember I grew up with two emotions, and this is always very important for me to share. Because Christ, I have seen the hand of God in my life since I was little. Two emotions. Emotions of love and emotions of fear. Love because my mom is the one who showed us to go to church. My mom always loved us. My mom was always there for us. And the other side, my dad. I love dad dearly. My dad was the kind of guy who, is, who, who loved drink, to drink to get drunk, not just to drink one or two beers and then go home. Literally to drink, to overdrink. And when he would be coming home, we would hear him singing from afar and would go hiding because we don't want to encounter him. Most actually people in my neighborhood used to call him the lion of the village because he was so loud and strong. But my mom, my mom loved my dad and loves my dad so much. And I always wondered, how come? But my mom's secret is Christ. Because my mom believes, and this is what she instilled in our lives growing up, that with Christ, there's nothing like it is impossible. There's nothing like it's impossible to love. So my first encounter of Christ is through my mom through the cycles of forgiveness that she had to go through and to teach us. 
when my dad was fearful because he wanted us to fear him. Mom said, do not be afraid. For Christ has shown us, for Christ who lives in us and through us, want us to give nothing but to love. And when I was in high school, uh, the way the Kenyan system works is that you go to eighth grade and then you go to high school. Uh, I was in a boarding school. Boarding school. And it was a sacrifice for my dad and my mom. And many times over, I was sent home for lack of school fees. I mean, I went to high school for my, almost of my schooling years without shoes. You know, I to school without shoes. My elementary school was 20 minutes walk, 20 minutes back home. And I remember one time I gave up in high school. Because every single time I would be sent home for fees, my dad would say, he has no money. But he was always drinking. So how do you not have any money with your little business, because he had a little business, but you don't have money to pay for our school fees? And every time, maybe every two weeks, I'd go back to school and tell the principal, please, I, 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 I'll get the money. I, I'll talk to my dad. I'll get the money. And then I'll be sent home for school fees. But one time in my junior year, I was sent home for fees, and then I came back home. The school fees was $140. And I remember very well, I, my dad said, go back to school. Go to the principal you can afford. So I went back to the school, and I was telling the principal that, you know, my dad said I should just come home. I should come to school, and he will find the money. And luckily, I think he found somebody who lent him $14. So he came to school and paid $14. But after three weeks... When the next round of people to be called to be sent home for fees came, I wasn't called. So I was concerned. Why are you not calling me to go home and I, I'm the one of those people who don't pay school fees? You should call me first. I, because normally I was the first one. So I went to the office and I said, I wasn't called to go home. I have not paid the school fees. And the gentleman there said, well, in our records, somebody already cleared your school fees. And I go, what? Who? Somebody cleared your school fees. I go back running to the hostels, to the dormitories, and I'm like, who is that? Even today, I've never known who cleared my school fees. But I do believe that he, he helped me clear my school fees. Because if I had not cleared school fees that time, I would have dropped out of school. And I don't even know if I would be standing in front of you today. So again, God knows you. God knows where you are and how the trajectory of your life. And I know most of you have many stories of how God has been in your life. You see, 15 years ago, let me say 15 years ago, if somebody would have told me that I would be in America, the greatest country in the world, I would say, you are dreaming. I would tell them, you are you Do you have an idea, me, this little boy from a poor village in Kenya, in America, the greatest country in the world? And if somebody would have said, you'll be it at St. Elizabeth, speaking and sharing my testimony, sharing your story, I would have said they are dreaming, but not God. Because God figured this out before I was even born. 
So 15 years ago, my journey to come to America begins. And how does it begin? Again, with him. This is how God works. It's amazing. I was in college as a volunteer. And uh, the, the organization we are volunteering with is called Salesians of Don Bosco. Anybody Salesians? Salesian fathers, Salesian sisters. Our group was called Vides Kenya. You, we, because our job, we were volunteering through the Salesian sisters to go to the poorest of the poor. I used to think I was poor because I was going to bed a couple of nights without food, that I did not have shoes. But God made it aware that there were other people, especially young children, that were the poorest of the poor. And when we were called upon to go to volunteer to these places to give them some education, to educate them, to play with them, to have a good time with them like Don Bosco did, my heart said yes immediately. Because I wanted to go see, I wanted to go serve because somebody gave me an opportunity to finish high school. They paid $140. I have no idea who that person is, even today. I said, yes, I'll go. Because when God calls, you've got to say yes. When God calls, you're going to say yes. You have to say yes. So 2006, we went to volunteer. We were getting international volunteers from different countries, mostly England, um, Spain, Italy, Malta. Those countries were coming to volunteer with us. 2007, our country had political violence. After election, so there was communities. Kenya has many tribes. So this tribe felt bad that their president was not elected, so there was like commotions and violence. So all the international community said, nobody should go to Kenya because Kenya is not safe. Kenya is not safe. But in America, in America, there was a girl who graduated Westchester University. Her name is Katie. She was discerning where to go after graduating because uh, as she told me that sometimes when you graduate, you, some people look to do mission work someplace. So she was looking to go for mission work. And she wasn't sure whether it's Rwanda or Kenya. But remember, Kenya had already been, people had already been warned not to go to Kenya because it's not safe. She wanted to go to Rwanda. But for some reason, she chose to come to Kenya. Again, it's not my work. He's working. He's working. He was working even in America through Katie. So Katie came to Kenya in 2008, or August 2008. And the second day, uh, the sister in charge, uh, Sister Eleanor, gathered all of the local volunteers, myself and uh, maybe 35 other you know, young men and women. So, and she comes and she, I cannot do Scot Scottish accent. She's from Scotland. If you're from Scotland, you can help me. She was from Scotland. And she gathered all of us together and she said, well, God has blessed us. Amen? God has blessed us. We were not thinking we'll get any international volunteer, but we have one. And some of us went, just one? You see how we question God's intelligence and God's <laughs> way of blessing us? You have been blessed. We have an international uh, volunteer, one. And she called Katie. And sister in charge, sister says, 
because we have Katie and we know the situation, we would like somebody to help Katie out. That way, she, if she needs to, uh, to go to use the internet, somebody can take her. If she needs to go to the shop, some, someone can take her. And all of us were hiding because nobody wanted to volunteer to help this American woman. It's like, all of us were hiding. And a gentleman called Francis. God can walk through other people. Francis raised up his hand, and all of us started clapping to go to Francis. Francis, Francis, Francis. And Francis says, no, 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 I cannot do it. But John can. My friend, I was trembling right there. John can. Who, do we, how many Johns do we have here? It was, I was the only John in that time, in that squad. One, myself. Only John can. And I thought to myself, me, how can I do this? I am not capable. I'm not able. I cannot speak American English. How? And Katie said her name is Katie. We all had Kelly. <laughs> so how did Katie turn to Kelly? So we were calling Kelly for three weeks. I was so, it was so confusing. But remember, when God has chosen you for a purpose and for a mission, He will be there for you. So this mission, as the study in church said, John, just make sure she's always safe whenever you're with her, okay? And I said, yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Because the closest I had come to uh, dealing with Americans is watching movies. You know, movies. You watch movies, and yeah. I was like, wow. Now I'm going to be living with an American real life, holding her hand, showing her out. That to me, reflecting back, I see Jesus himself saying, don't worry, I got you. I got your back. How many of you here tonight feel like they worried so much? Always worrying about something. He's telling you tonight, don't worry, I got your back. I have you. You have me. Trust me. Even though you don't know where the future is going to go, I... Trust me, I know. So 2008. So that was about August, September. After a couple months, something started growing. After seeing each other so many times and being the one showing her around, there was something special about this lady. Something special. But I could not articulate it. So I remember one time we started holding the little pinky finger. So we were walking. Then we held the other finger. And then we kept holding until the whole hand grasped on each other. And I still remember that day. And I wondered what was that. But three months down the line, we were officially dating. And I took her home to my dad and mom to see. First of all, in Kenya, in the history of our communities, Long time ago, you are, not, you are not allowed to marry someone from outside your tribe. Now live alone, race. So this was huge. So we got home. I'm so excited. I'm going to show you to mom and dad. And we sit down on the, at home. And, the, and, and, and my dad looks at us and says, John, what are you doing? We're speaking in vernacular so Katie cannot hear because my parents don't speak English. They don't know English. So... We are talking in Kikuyu. And my dad asked me, do you know what you're doing? And I said, no. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but I think God knew. 
And my sister Monica, I always, whenever I talk to my sister Monica about this, I always bring this up. My sister Monica looked at Katie and said, Katie, I have a question for you. Would you ever marry from a poor family? And I'm sitting there sweating at that time. Sweating because why would you ask this question? She, now she knows that we are very poor. Not like she didn't know, but she knew our house was falling apart at that point. And Katie said, yes, if this person loves me very much, and I love them, praise be to Jesus. That moment, that moment, it, it, was, like I, I, it was like I saw a new light. Jesus through Katie walking. So fast forward, I celebrated my first Valentine's in 2009. You know? But how we celebrated Valentine's is we visited my, one of my poorest aunts in a place whereby they have a lot of drought. So we did a little shopping because to us, Valentine's is a way of showing love to the people who don't have, you know, who don't feel that love, who, have, who are less fortunate. So my aunt lives in a very dry place. So I said to Katie, you know, let's just go there. And she told me how they celebrate Valentine's is you go out to dinner, you have some wine. I was like, oh, that really sounds really good. So we went, we drove miles and miles. We went to chop firewood for my aunt to fetch some water for my aunt. That was an amazing, amazing day. 